<laughs> There's a little ghost guy peeking at me over the co- top of my laptop. A little, speaking of a little ghost guy, the episode we just watched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> speaking, speaking of a little ghost guy. <laughs> oh. Both relevant uh, figures are, are peeking at me over my laptop. He's a ghost quite... guy and, and Gojira. He's so cute. Like, look at him. How could you say no? <laughs> <laughs> you would not have been very good at being part of the military during this movie that we're about to talk about. There's so many opportunities to give him a little pat. <laughs> so many missed opportunities. Star Wars. Transformers. Godzilla. Animation. Whatever else. Robots and etc. Well, it's Wednesday night, and Rachel and Cameron are hanging out yet again, which must mean that it's Star Former Zillimation Night. Oh, welcome to Rebels and Robots and it Rar episode mm. 47. I'm Cameron, I'm Rachel, and this is our bi weekly chat where we talk about Star Wars and Transformers and. Godzilla. And whatever else we want to talk about. And uh, this week, we are starting... <laughs> Rachel is trying to uh, tear a tag off of her new... Uh, uh, I'll let you introduce what it is. A new thing. Oh. And it looked like she was just eating the, the tag. No, my scissors, I moved my scissors off the table. Um, and uh, so today, we are... St- so we... Technically, I would say Mon March, Monarch, Mon March, Mon March Madness <laughs> started in December or November. Yeah, in November. Well, technically, Monarch is not in Godzilla minus one. So it started in December when we started talking about. Wait, when did Monarch even start? Was it back in November? I think it was. Wow. So we've been in Mon March Madness since. Unfortunately, uh, then. It but started. technically, technically, that was Monster Wonderland. And now oh, yeah. we are in Mon March Madness as we are starting our our journey up to Godzilla X Kong, <laughs> uh, which will come out in mo- actual March. And until then, we are going to cover the four movies in that in that particular uh, continuity. And this week, we are beginning that with Godzilla 2014. I just realized Ooh. today it's been ten years almost since that came out, which is pretty nuts. Holy crap! And, and for the 10 year anniversary our our guest tonight is Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> He's going to definitely going to peek the the microphone more than you do even Rachel. He brought his headphones though. He'll be fine. <laughs> Just have to turn his mic way down. <laughs> um and uh we will also briefly talk about an episode of Transformers G1 that we watched today. Cameron uh, actually texted me and goes, "There I want to yeah, the camera goes, I want to watch idea. an episode. And I was like, who possessed you? <laughs> well, that's relevant <laughs> to the episode. Uh, but before we get to our topic, as always, we have news and recent thoughts. Rachel, what have you got for us? Um, you probably have this, but probably the biggest Star Wars news that to come out, um, Carl Weathers passed away. Yes. Who, and a longtime actor. Yes, longtime but actor. most famous in Star Wars for... for um, he's Grief Karga. Yes, the guy and who initially gives Mando his assignments as a bounty hunter and eventually mm-hmm. becomes the 
I'm trying to remember his title. <laughs> the main character. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, he becomes like the mayor or a governor yeah. of some form. He had a more a more distinct title than that, but he was effectively a governor yeah. on that planet that I'm also bl- totally blanking on. I had all this memory in my all this in my head less than a year ago watching Mandalorian season three, and now it's totally gone. Um, he's also directed quite a few episodes of The Mandalorian as well. Yeah. Um, so let's see. It's not listed immediately. Navarro is the name of the place that he, uh, ends up like, uh, what's the term? He, uh, uh, I can't think of, he makes it better. There's a better word for it, but he improves it. Well, when, (laughs) when wealthy people move into an area and make it nicer, Gentrifying? Yeah, he gentrified. <laughs> he gentrified Navarro. <laughs> he gentrified Navarro. <laughs> oh no! Uh, but then the Mandalorians moved in and really brought down the, uh, brought down <laughs> the, the mar- housing value. market. <laughs> uh, but Just yeah, a bunch of people sitting outside. <laughs> very, very sad. He's he was a guy who really brought a lot of mm-hmm. energy and and uh, charisma to genre stuff. He was also very famous for the predator, the original Predator movie, as well as. Uh, he was the guy that Rocky fought in the original two, mm-hmm. and then he trained Rocky in the third one, and then his death in the fourth one is the leading event in that film. So, like, really important to a bunch of different science fiction or popular film franchises. Um, so, and even, um, what was her name? Uh, the woman who played, man, I'm just gone. All the proper nouns. The wrestler? Uh Yeah. Gina Carano. Gina Carano had some very nice words yeah. to say, even though she's been excommunicated from Star Wars. She, from Disney. Yeah. She, per, she did have some very nice things to say about him, which I think was really cool. I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, no one had a bad thing to say about him. Um, and we gave... Uh, You've probably heard me complain on the series, on the, on the po- episodes before. I'm a collector of the Black Series figures. And one <laughs> that I have seen always, that's always... It's a, it's a shelf warmer, as we call it. Um has always been a uh, grief carga. And so it was actually really sad because this is a, so it's a figure that if you're a completionist or you really like the character, you buy it. Mm. And as soon as the news came out that he passed away, they're flying off uh, the shelves sure. and they're just, sure. and this $25 figure is just being sold for crazy amounts of money. And it's just really kind of, I think it's distasteful. Oppor- it's, it's opportunistic on yeah. the po- part of the people selling. Profiting off of someone's mm-hmm. passing, so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But really, kind of unexpected. I mean, he was 76, but really just kind of. Yeah. Out of nowhere. At least from what I'm aware. Um, Yeah. In other news, um, I feel like we have a streak going of mul- multiple episodes in a row where we mention uh, award shows because we're in award season uh-huh. the grammys the grammys have uh expanded a new like portion of their awards this year to include like yes digital me- like media like yeah. not not like there's like movie soundtracks were eligible to win in the past especially if they had original music mm-hmm. but now they have specifically like film score and video game score awards mm-hmm. um the somewhat adjacent star wars one is john williams won for best instrumental composition for um, Helena's theme from Indiana Jones, oh, mm-hmm. uh, but the more obvious one, the one I'm sure you're excited about. Yes. Um, oh, and also just also relevant to 
uh, Ludwig Garrison, who does yes. all the Mandalorian, all Mandalorian stuff. Book of Boba Fett. He was nominated for Best Instrumental Composition and a bunch of other awards for his work on Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, which I know is a score that you enjoyed. And, I do. And it was a great score. But we we love Ludwig. Lud, I'm sorry, Ludwig, I'm sure is mm-hmm. how it's pronounced. Garrison, phenomenal composer, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad he got some recognition. But the one I'm sure you're very excited about uh, was uh, uh, Jedi, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Yes. One for Best Video Game Soundtrack. Yeah, just uh, so good. I mean... I'm a sucker for soundtracks. I don't know what my Star Wars soundtrack is up to at this point. It's 80, it's probably like 100 and something hours. But um, Jedi Survivor has some phenomenal, mm. beautiful pieces, one of which being Through Darkness. Um, the Visitor is the like probably one of the most famous ones because if you haven't played the game, I'm going to spoil it. Um, the Visitor is the theme that plays during Jedi Master Sayers and Darth Vader's fight. Very mm. just full of that like Darth Sithy energy of Vader's theme. Um and probably has one of the most and uh hosts the theme for the most emotional part of the game, in my opinion. The one that really gut punches you. It's just it is a gorgeous soundtrack. Um it's all good. All Star Wars well, maybe not all stories music is good, but um, 99% <laughs> of it is high percentage. High percentage. Yes. Um, and so I'm biased towards the Jedi uh, hopeful soon to be trilogy um, series, but that was just really exciting to see that get some recognition because, act, because considering um, during the video game awards this past year, um, Jedi Survivor was nominated, but I don't think it won anything if I remember correctly. So it was really nice to actually see, despite all of the video games that maybe won different awards area, this is what got Best Soundtrack at the Grammys, which is just, that's just so cool. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I feel like, oh, um, and unfortunately, I was I was very disappointed, though, reading through the Grammy nominations and list. No recognition of Men at Work this year. Devastating. <laughs> even, even though I don't think they put out an album since the late 80s. Still, devastating. No work. Devastating. Uh, well, what are the news you got? So this isn't really. Uh, well, we have talked that um, Godzilla minus one has been nominated for an Oscar. It's best special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is the first time a Godzilla film in history has ever been nominated for an Oscar, which is very exciting. And this is a video that I thought you'd be really cute. But this is the Godzilla minus one team reacting to their Oscar nomination. Um, this is them watching the video. They have That's streamers, good. glitter. They're extremely That's excited. Very cool. And the thing that I actually love most is so they're all centered around a TV. Um, and what's very cute is they have a host of little Godzillas on the table watching oh, with them. That's that's a and good it's, touch. That's I, it's very just funny. it's so cute. Um, so congrats to them. That's my hope for the. That's my hope for the winner. Um, but yeah. Um, that's all the news I had. But I did have a correction for some past episodes. So you go if you have news. Um, I don't. It's not news. But uh, it was a funny thing that happened no funny. in the last two weeks. Save it for me a minute. <laughs> it's not really a meme, <laughs> though we also have our uh, weekly Well, it's not, not really a meme. A meme. Um, but I was flipping through... Well, I actually have two things. HBO Max. Uh, I just canceled my HBO Max subscription. 
and there was a category labeled as uh, critically acclaimed movies, and sandwiched between Spirited Away and Ponyo is Transformers <laughs> Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Fallen. Fallen. <laughs> Uh, how that got in there it's especially funny because it was sandwiched between two studio ghibli films can critically uh, acclaimed be, ne- be a negative connotation <laughs> emphasis on critically i think it it'd be really funny if they had a category called critically acclaimed slash reviled <laughs> and so it's like alternated between movies that critics love and hate uh so that's that's my, was my last thing i actually had like two things because i i forgot to like talk so we got to have this cool opportunity of something uh, in our local area of a toy and comic book shop yes. um, event. It took over one of our local um, areas, a bunch of different vendors. And it was funny because we were creating plans to go. And Cameron just likes to go to enjoy these things. And I wanted to go solely to see the wares. And so we ended up going two different days. Lots of cool Star Wars stuff. But one thing I got that I'm especially fond of, and he's sitting on the table... I got this very adorable. You guys can totally see this right now. <laughs> Bandai legendary Godzilla figure. He's very cute. Look, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. He's very cute. He's um not quite fully articulated, but he does move. Um, I like I like you have his legs all the way up in ways he <laughs> right shouldn't, now. in ways that are not physically possible. But he's fun and he's adorable. And I was actually very sad because it's just too. Our event was just too soon for the Godzilla vendors to have any minus one stuff. The next event, someone I bought from went to had Godzilla figures, and I was like, "That was me hitting the table because I was sad." Um, so I told, I showed this to Cameron earlier, and so I finally got my hands on a Black Series figure of Grogu from the Mandalorian, and um, he's very cute. He is the size of a quarter. <laughs> and I found him at Ross, the Black Series collectors uh-huh. page that I'm in. People have been going to Ross and they've been finding a bunch of like extra stock. So I bought this. Guess how much this retails for? 25. No. Higher or lower? Higher. Higher than, well, like 32? Yeah. Whoa. So, um, Grogu, so quarter size Grogu retails for about and so also it's not just grogu um you have the little frog the little ball and his little teacup uh-huh you have the little mandalorian necklace the little candies he eats and his pram and a little, little floating Super stick cool. too i bought it for six dollars good and good find i'm gonna be honest that's the most i would ever pay sure because you're actually i feel like this is all actually six dollars and then yeah uh-huh you're paying 80 percent package <laughs> plastic so um i was proud of that and it was funny because i'd gone to visit a friend i went to two rosses i went to a ross with my friend and we didn't we didn't find any and i was like it's whatever and on my way home from my trip there's a second one that i was like i really do not i just want to drive home i said i got a couple hours of driving ahead of me but i was like fine I'll stop at the Ross. I'm glad I did because it was the only one there. So anyways, good work. Anyways, uh, this is me just talking about uh, my collecting habits. (laughs) Um, But that's actually, I think kind of the last one of the Mandalorian one that I was kind of keeping an eye out for. So that's kind of fun. Very cool. 
Do we want to talk about Transformers? Actually, I have one more thing to oh, say. Okay. So, oh, um, so we talked. We we talked. We uh, oh, right. corrections. Right, right, right. So we watched Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Anyways, um, <laughs> so one thing we had talked about was how, uh, and this was something I brought up a lot. So, um, our cast of Kurt Russell <laughs> and everyone else. Uh, Kate, Kentaro, and May. I do remember their names. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> uh, fell through that portal. In, and I don't know if we clarified this in any of our episodes. So that wasn't the hollow, hollow earth that we see in Kong versus Godzilla. That is actually like an in-between layer. And it's called oh. Axis Mundi, which oh. makes a little more sense. And I think answers some questions because the real, I, the deep hollow earth <laughs> They had to follow, they had to, like we see um, Apex had to really uh, specify their ship following Kong super close to get through. So that kind of answers my question of how in the world did four unprotected humans manage to fall into the hollow earth and not get ripped to shreds by the Mm. earth's gravitational weight? They didn't quite fall all the way through. So it's like, it's like an onion or an ogre. The Earth has layers, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and you and maybe. Um, anyways, I just wanted to correct that. I don't know if anyone else actually cares about that, but no, I and do. It, and it explains why it looks different, and it explains yes. a lot of things. And that's, I mean, that's part of the reason you have a shared universe like this is to have established rules and lore. And so, yeah, that's that is interesting. Cool. Now Transformers. <laughs> yes well this is a great episode i i saw a clip on social media and there was a there was i a, was wondering how you how you found out about this I was there like, was an element in this clip i was like oh, we have to watch this episode <laughs> uh and the big well, there's two big hooks to this episode one so this is episode this is season three which is post the movie uh which we covered uh previously if you haven't listened to that episode highly recommend it it's uh bizarro <laughs> energy on our part um and so starscream died in that movie very unceremoniously and his ghost reappears in this episode starts possessing decepticons and uses them he's going to get his body back and who else is going to help him get a body back but unicron's decapitated head which was my one of my favorite parts of the movie which was when unicron the gigantic planet-sized planet-eating uh transformer his head he exploded at the end of the movie and his head goes flying through space and is even his head is even part of the new opening theme animation for season three mm-hmm. and he's still alive he he's just is kicking. his eyes aren't working and I, okay he's, he's, he's inactive starscream shows up in uh, this possessed body starscream has possessed um uh i have Scourge. it written down. oh yeah so there is which is also the name of a warrior cat which also brings up there's two different decepticons in this show there is scourge and oh where do i have it written down uh, scourge. Oh yeah, he possessed scourge. Scourge and scourge is a different guy, so that's confusing. Um, and all he does is like rewire like one little part of Unicron, but his eyes don't work, so he has to get some new eyes for him. Side questing. <laughs> and which reminded me of if you've ever seen uh, in Get Out. Uh, spoiler alert for this movie that's six years old now. Oh my gosh. Um. And the sands of time continue to move. Uh, I, it that movie is about people buying people and putting their consciousness into this younger body. 
and the guy who's about to be put into the main character's body is trying to explain that he wants him specifically for his artistic eye and he's like i want i want you for those things to see out of <laughs> which is what oh. i thought of with unicron wanting new eyes <laughs> um and what are some other notes um there's the character so scourge who unicron has abducted i recommend google searching this character he's got pink pointy he fingers does. and rachel just goes bro's got the nails he does and, the, and they're like bright pink they're such a contrast i'm guessing it's to tell him apart from the other duplicate you, sure but he yeah. really looks like he, he he went and got his nails done salon um, in the tradition of terrible animation in Transformers G1, uh, my favorite element of this was there was two shots in a row of two different characters, and they used the identical background shot. So when it cut, the only thing that changed was the character in the foreground, but it was an identical, a hundred percent the same animation. Love that. Um, you pointed out that Galvatron, who was the new Megatron. Uh, on his stomach, for some reason, he had hit the mark. He's like mostly like green, like teal color. He's purple. Oh, was he? Oh, he was. You're right. I'm, th- I'm misremembering. He's mostly purple and gray, but on his stomach is effectively the Swiss flag, the Swiss which flag. is very funny. Red background, white cross on it. So <laughs> funny. Um, then uh, at one point, someone is talking about Rodimus Prime, but calls him Radimus Prime. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Also. Rodimus Prime in this episode sounds like the classic Garfield. Sounds like classic Garfield. It's really <laughs> odd. The uh, I don't know what happened to him between the movie and now, but something did. Uh, well, I think can you bring up a clip, or I can bring it here. I, 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 I just remembered I was the one who played it. Oh, um, hopefully I didn't close YouTube. I think I've, I've got it right here. Right here at the ending of the episode, Rodimus Prime. Was the hero from the movie who ended up taking Dead Optimus Prime's Please, part? I'm what? No, that. There is just one more thing. What's that, Rodimus? Well, I need someone to lead a salvage expedition to Unicron. Yeah, so that's just the very lethargic Rodimus Prime, and here's classic Garfield. I have to do something. <laughs> uh, also, so I'm looking ha- up uh, the voice actor for... Also, we stand Garfield in this house. <laughs> the voice actor right for Rodimus, his name is Dick Gautier. Um, I'm seeing if he ever did any other notable <laughs> voice. If he ever played Garfield. If he is Garfield, Garfield. it be really funny. He did voice a character named Spike in Tom and Jerry, which is... Wait. All... I think he's the dog in Tom and Jerry. But uh, is it in like a specific movie? Um, the '90s version of Tom and Jerry. He is. He is. He. Oh wait, no. Okay, he's in a episode of Garfield. <sighs> it doesn't say who he <gasps> played. He was in Garfield and Friends though, but he was only in one episode, and he's not credit. He's, he's not a credit here for. I cannot for. believe. Man, I know that's my Garfield. Weird. I know my Garfield. <laughs> I wonder if it's possible he voiced Garfield. I'm gonna try to figure out who he pl- voiced. Uh. Is uh, Garfield and Friends? Wait, is Garfield and Friends uh, the like three D animated one? Welcome to Rebels and Robots no, that, and Garfield. Uh, this is specifically the two D animated one from the nineties. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> this is animation. It's relevant. Rebels and Robots and uh, Garf. Yeah, I cannot find who he actually voiced. 
It's Wednesday night, which means it must be Garf night. <laughs> Transform field. <laughs> no, Starform field. Like sounds like we'll do like Cloverfield. Oh. <laughs> Mixed. Uh, it, yeah, he's not. But also, funny enough, the same episode that uh, uh, Dick Gautier was on, Frank Welker was on the, also on that episode. <laughs> Uh, the voice of Garfield, his name was Lorenzo Music. Oh, yeah. What a fun name. And anyway, uh, also, so Ultra Magnus to me sounds quite a bit like Adam West, who was the classic Batman, who did a Adam, lot of voice acting. Adam I'm trying West to find vibes. the voice on Ultra, uh, Jack Angel is the voice of Ultra Magnus. So not, so we're not, we're not really nailing these, but... Who, <laughs> Oh, we've talked about this before. Ultra Magnus is the voice of the shark from Toy Story. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, howdy, howdy. Um, other funny notes from this episode. So many PowerPoints. Once, so oh my gosh, so we made the. If you were, if you were to try to do a Transformers drinking game, and you, the only thing was take a shot every time someone points at the screen, you'd be dead by the end of the episode. It was wild, and it's just a very like specific way of pointing because the they thumb would be out yeah the thumb out you know how like in elementary school people would like hold out their finger in an l to like call you a loser it's like that but they'll point to someone who's within like very close distance it's so odd um i think my last so the episode ends oh actually a good thing that i liked about this episode actually was that ultimately unicron's plot is to connect his body to cybertron mm -hmm. and use cybertron as his body love that that's like an actually interesting way for the character to try to come back uh but when he tries to do this um <laughs> uh starscream gets his body back and betrays him and I inexplicably just there's an explosion that launches uh no, both of them the autobots is the auto I, oh I, okay i must have missed but this autobots episode moves very fast plan was to cause an explosion that would send unicron off planet and it I worked see. it comes out of nowhere though it's very it's sudden really like, to get this uh, pillar of fire sends unicron's head back into space as well as starstream starstream goes stumbling through space past the uh <laughs> The Autobots who the just eviscerate him with the their Decepticons. lasers. Oh, Decepticons. And one of them says, since when do ghosts tumble out of control in space? It's just... What a bizarre an line. astute observation from Cyclonus. Um, and, Whack. oh, last note. Um, as I was trying to type in Rodimus, it autocorrected to... Um, do we just dox our friend? Uh, I'm gonna mute that. Never mind. I had just said Caleb's last name. You might, um, you might want to actually, actually mark that. I want to mark that time code down. Hold on, I haven't had to do that for quite a while, actually. Uh, here we go. His new, his new wife might not appreciate that. <laughs> oh, it's her last name too. Yeah, it's her <laughs> last name. Okay. Uh, any last notes from this episode? If you want to watch it yourself, they're oh, all on YouTube. So Season this three, episode seventeen, Ghost in the Machine. We noticed this one Absolutely was posted hilarious. on the twentieth anniversary <laughs> of nine eleven, which was kind of weird. On September eleventh, two thousand twenty-one. <laughs> we were like, huh? The Autobots never forget. <laughs> Anyways, um, on oh. to today's subject, which is Godzilla twenty fourteen. Um, the Ooh! second attempt at an American Godzilla film. Um, I've the Americans were almost permanently barred Banned. from making Godzilla <laughs> making movies after they uh, 
made one in the late 90s that was um, absolutely terrible. They don't even call it Godzilla anymore. It's Mm -hmm. just like Zilla. Well, yeah, it's officially called Godzilla, but the Japanese, like the the fandom of the movie, call it Zilla. Zilla, And it's it's really just more like Jurassic Park Lost mm -hmm. World. Yeah, it's it's more like you have a T-Rex. He doesn't have atomic blast. He's not that big. He doesn't really look like Godzilla. I actually think the design is not too bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if you like see it in a toy form. It looks pretty cool. The CGI was obviously not there at the time. Uh, But it's just not Godzilla. That's a lot of fish. Uh Um, (laughs) Uh-huh. Directed by one of my least favorite uh, Hollywood directors. Um, I'm blanking on his name. He also made the likes of... um, His other famous film is Independence Day. And he made like... um, Day After Tomorrow in 2012, oh. and most oh. recently... Um, 2012 traumatized me as a child. <laughs> uh-huh. Awful. Um, his most recent film was The Mo- Moonfall, the one where the moon falls to Mo- Earth. <laughs> wow. This guy... I, I can't believe I those him. are actually all directed by the same uh-huh. person. Uh, White House Down is another one he did. Uh, just like... He is out. like knockoff James Cameron, effectively, is what I, how I think of him. Um, and yeah, not good. Um, and so that is why there was not an American Godzilla movie. We got we got put in the timeout corner for a hot while. So it is interesting. It took that long, but it was probably just because someone in America, like before that, there probably wasn't that much interest. But then eventually, someone was like, "How can we ride the Jurassic Park wave? Dinosaurs are popular now." That's, that's it. Did come out right through. before Jurassic World, though, the year before. Oh, I'm I'm talking about the the first oh, American one. Yes, it's, it's interesting that it took. 50 or 40 years for there to be an American attempt at a Godzilla yeah. movie. Um, there probably just wasn't that much interest because it was kind of niche before that and didn't like I, until CGI came around. I think, I don't think there was an idea that you could do monsters of that way in a way that it would interest Americans would have been the thought, I think. But then by the time you get to 2014, I'm, I'm curious what drove Warner brothers to be so interested because in the year before this, they also made Pacific Rim. Yeah. So suddenly, Warner Brothers is really into making monster movies, and I think it's great. I think isn't it legendary? Well, legendary. Okay, oh, yeah. legendary is Le- a subset. Legendary is the production company, but they are have a very strong relationship. Both movies are distributed by Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. so Warner Brothers. It, it's legend, legendary, and Warner Brothers for, together. Um, and I I love both, though this movie does definitely um lose some points coming out less than a year after Pacific Rim for me. And we can talk about that. But so they hire to direct this movie. His name is Gareth Edwards. It's two different directors with the mm-hmm. first name Gareth and I get them mixed up. Um, And yeah, Gareth Edwards, who was a great choice because he had previously made a movie called Monsters where he like did all the visual effects himself. It was a very small budget film. The guy like is a director who also knows how to do visual effects and so he knows how to utilize them in story he's really most famous for his use of scale in films which we'll talk about and he did later go on to direct rogue one so he has a connection to star wars as well um i also looked up information about uh why warner brothers became interested in Godzilla oh, okay. films uh this is according to wikizilla so okay. but it's a dot org so i trust it um <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> so Wikizilla says that in 2009, American producer Brian Rogers approached Legendary Pictures to seek financing uh, for Yoshimitsu Bano's project Godzilla 3D. Legendary became interested in producing a feature-length American Godzilla film instead and entered negotiations with Toho. The same year, uh, Warner Bros. Entertainment Japan distributed Mega Monster Battle Ultra, Ultra Galaxy. In 2010, it was announced that Toho had made an agreement with both Legendary and Warner Bros., who is the studio's current distribution partner, to produce at least one American-made Godzilla film. The resulting film, Godzilla, was released in 2014 by Warner Bros. Warner brothers in every country around the world except japan where it was released by toho um shortly after the release of godzilla legendary and warner bros distribution deal expired a legendary formed a new partnership with universal then universal universal began distributing all of the stuff blah blah blah. due to legendary's deal with toho including warner brothers um the sequels to 2014 would be continued to be distributed by warner um but so yeah seems that um, it was something someone approached, uh, Brian Rogers approached, approached them regarding one of the, uh, wa Japanese made ones and they went, what about America? Interesting. But um, I guess, I guess Toho had went, we'll give him another chance. Anyways, so um, <laughs> I would say the other bit of context for this movie would be it comes out in an era where pretty much most major studios are trying to remake their series in the same vein as Batman Begins, where you retell the origin, you restart from zero with a darker, quote-unquote, more realistic, quote-unquote, take on it. And I think that's very prevalent in this movie as well. As opposed to something like Pacific Rim, which is very anime, very goofy. Um, and thankfully, they reversed that totally. But the DNA is still very much there in the rest of the series. But it that totally changes after this one. But uh, nonetheless, you uh, basic plot, it's... It, it starts off very heavily Monarch. I think I get the sense that Monarch was an idea introduced very late in production. And they decided mm -hmm. to kind of just slap it on... Because there's a certain point in this movie where all the Monarch stuff just disappears. Yeah. And so I feel like that was maybe potentially added in reshoots or late in production because it's very heavy on the front end. It's also it's very, very possible that as this movie was being produced, it was always intended to be a singular film. And at some point they were like, oh, this should be part of a larger series because that's what everyone's doing right now. Um, and so they needed their version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. But so you get... Through the opening credits, the classic Godzilla. I don't know a classic. Well, yeah. Godzilla has always been created by nuclear energy. That's always been the point. So you get the classic Godzilla origin of he's some sort of creature uh, out in the Bikini Atoll. Creature. Mm-hmm. Well, like some, like I think like the, the implication in the, at least the like American. All the nuclear testing from well, the ships. I think, I'll be curious to hear like what he originally is supposed to be because like in Godzilla minus one, he's a pre-existing like uh, dinosaur-esque character that then becomes greatly mutated. That is very common throughout uh, a lot of the iterations. But then I know in like the 98 one, it's kind of implied that he was just an iguana, like a normal iguana mm -hmm. that got mutated to giant size. Um, but... Well, it seems the... Monarch Legacy of Monsters seemed to be going the same way. Mm-hmm. 
um, because he oh was yes, just, he, yes, he, he was just a little guy. Yes, that's and correct. then they nuked him. <laughs> and he got really big. He came out for a munch, and he got a punch. He got roided. So in this, the, at the beginning, the Mudos are accidentally a Mudo is accidentally released from Earth from within the Earth, and in attaches the, itself to a Japanese in the nuclear. Oh, it's, it's really Philippines. It's I totally Philippines. missed that. Uh, to a Filipino nuclear uh, reactor, which then causes a meltdown, and this kills the mother of our main character and wife of a secondary character. The secondary character... I don't have names in front of me. Uh, his name is... Brian Cranston. Yeah, the actor is Brian Cranston. The character is dang i thought this would be easier to find off oh okay uh joe brody was it just one mute muto that's released at the beginning of the it movie wasn't i believe two? i thought it was just the one so i've been getting conflicting reports okay but yeah i don't know it's kind of i don't know if it's necessarily clear Wait, real fast, uh, as I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, I did not realize there is a motion caption actor for Godzilla, which makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, I just did not realize. And his name is TJ Storm. He's done motion capture for a lot of stuff, including... Uh, oh, he's the mocap actor for Colossus and Deadpool, which is really cool. Motion capture actor for Iron Man and Captain America Civil War, which are both the same year. Joe uh, is in Captain America Civil War. <laughs> the guy who plays Brody. He's not in Civil War. He's in Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, they're all the same in my head <laughs> at this point. Uh, he is also the Predator in the, uh, the 2018 The Predator movie. Uh, the motion capture acting, at least. In Prey? Uh, or? No. Prey. No, The Predator 2018. The Predator, okay. Prey came out in like 21 or 22. Okay. Um, and he also did motion capture for, uh, Avatar and Tron Legacy and Dang. yeah. So cool guy, I think, uh, really influential in motion capture, um, which by the way should, I think there should be some sort of Oscar category for this stuff because it's vital to a lot of modern Absolutely. movies and guys, six, two, big guy and so we were talking about, okay, so the Brody family, you've got Joe is the father, played by Brian Cranston, and then the his son is uh, Ford, who's played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, famous for playing Kick-Ass, as well as uh, Quicksilver in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, and he's also going to be Craven the Hunter later this year in, uh, in Sony's spider-man without spider-man movie so he's not spider-man no he's not spider-man sony's not spider-man oh movie. sony's not yes <laughs> um and funny enough his that character's wife uh l is played by elizabeth olsen who also is scarlet witch who plays his sister less than a year after this movie comes <laughs> out um and they have much better chemistry as siblings than they do uh love interest but so uh the father Joe, he feels very responsible for the death of his wife and multiple other people, and he feels that there's something else going on. The whole, the official story is that there was a, like a earthquake that caused the meltdown, but he knows that there's something else going on. Mm -hmm. 
it cuts to some years, like like 20 years later or something like 15 years later, uh, Ford has grown up and he's in the military and he's finally gone home and he's with his wife and his kid and he gets called back to the Philippines because his father gets arrested. Okay. Is it Philippines or is it Japan? Oh, sorry. So the cave that the Muto was in. Oh, I was talking about the nuclear reactor. Sorry. No, my bad. That's my fault. All right. That makes a lot more sense to me. I would have been surprised if I had missed that. Um... Goes back to Japan. His father who keeps trying to break back into. So the entire town has been shut down. It's a fictional town, Janjiro. Mm-hmm. So yeah, entire thing's been shut down. Dad's been arrested because mm-hmm. he's a little kooky. And he breaks him out. He doesn't break him out of jail. He he bails, bails him out. out. And then the next morning, the dad immediately wants to go back. Um, And they do. They both do. They get there. The guy counter reads zero. There's no nuclear react, uh, energy, which there should. Um, they get arrested again. <laughs> um, and it's at this point that something, whatever. So it turns out there's a, well, we, so, okay. Up to this point, the movie has not, we've not seen the MUTO. MUTO standing for, can you remind me? Massive Unidentified Terrestrial Organism. Yes. Which feels like a title for all of the Titans. It is. Which is the name that yes, we don't get to later. But then, but these... It is a name that they have before they're given an actual name. So why do these things never get an actual name? Well, I don't think they realized what they were until they hatched. But even post this, I don't think... Have they canonically been given a name? Uh, no. And there's kind of a reason why. Do you want me to spoil it right now? Well, because there is a new another one in the sequel, isn't yes, there? Yes, there is. So... Okay, we can talk about that later. But for the only thing that is specifically called a Mudo are, is this particular species mm-hmm. of Titan. And it they they quickly, at the beginning, there's one line of dialogue when they're in the big cave where the thing escaped from. And someone goes, is it him? And they say, no. So that should tell the audience this is not Godzilla. Yes. But it's a pretty vague statement. And I missed it the first time. So for my viewing, when I first saw the movie, I thought whatever was sucking on the energy was going to be Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So from, I think, most audience perspective, this will be quite a surprise when this thing emerges from this giant egg sack and it's not Godzilla. Because mm-hmm. the other thing was they did not advertise this movie as having other monsters other than Godzilla. And I think most American audiences, if you, most American audiences have never seen a Godzilla film. And so they don't know that Godzilla has this whole other, like, uh, supporting cast of monsters. So I don't think most people, including myself, know that Godzilla movies most frequently feature other monsters and that he is normally not the enemy. He's more of a neutral force. Just he's While the classic Godzilla is just like destroying cities, like Godzilla Minus One or uh, Shin Godzilla, most Godzilla movies, he is actually just trying to defeat another monster and any damage that happens is more of a... Uh, uh, is... Um, Collateral. Collateral. Thank you. So that and that's the case with this movie. And so when a different monster comes out, I was shocked the first time I saw this film. And it's a great surprise. The d- design of the Mudo is phenomenal. Very mm-hmm. angular. Very sharp. They were designed off of those uh, military like phantom jets. Mm, yeah. And I like the implication that like this monster is almost created by mankind. And so I mean, so is Godzilla because of the nuclear radiation. But like they, they exist, but they're way worse. Because of the nuclear radiation. 
and the the more angular design i think emphasizes that that concept um so what happens narratively after this so after they get arrested after the muto wakes up it first of all um it flies away sorry i was sitting back i was slouching Mm -hmm. it flies away which is scary oh yeah it's 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 like when there's a bug in your house and you're trying to squish it it grows wings and flies yeah and it flies away um so there's a lot of there's a lot of damage the this research facility um is destroyed but there's no radiation because the muto was um eating it yes it burrowed into the reactors um and they never killed it because they were worried if they killed it it might just release all you know three reactors worth of radiation this is where we get introduced to a lot of our higher ups of monarch mm, yep dr serizawa <laughs> um played, played by, by ken watanabe um who's Do- also in inception and mm-hmm. he what else is anything else you know he, from he always does some voice acting yeah yeah definitely um and we also oh see- he's the voice connection to transformers he's he's uh drift in the yes. last in the uh Age of Extinction last night. The only good things about this films. Anyways, um, <laughs> Ken Watanabe and Dr. Graham, who um, I don't know what she's... In. She's in King of the Monsters, but she works alongside Dr. Sarazawa. Um, so Brody and his dad um, were in the midst of all of this, and his dad ends up getting really injured. Um, and who ends up succumbing to his wounds? He ends up passing away. Um Dr. Serizawa and Dr. Graham have come to realize that um, his dad, Brody's dad, predicted the awakening of the um, Muto. He was the one who was picking up the weird um, sensors from the original nuclear plant before the attack happened. So they're trying to pre- they're trying to prevent this, and they're kind of missing some key information. So um, it almost seems like a good chunk of Monarchs leadership or at least um team what uh, was kind of knocked out during this attack so they kind of recruit uh brody to help them and brody's like i don't want anything to do with this because this thing killed my mom and now it's killed my dad i'm gonna go home and they're like all right fine um and he so, pretty much ends up getting involved just because it's the best way for him to get back to san francisco yes because pretty much the rest of the film from out at this point is there is two mudos there is a male and a female Mm -hmm. they're trying to meet at a point godzilla's chasing down the the male Mm -hmm. the male was the one in japan in the philippines Mm -hmm. that we know for sure and the female awakened from somewhere in the u.s nuclear waste facility yeah and they are going to converge on san francisco (laughs) of course (laughs) of course all the places in the world they could converge and right before the super bowl Uh uh-huh um and uh so uh ford is trying to get home and the best way he can do that is by going with the military and, and he goes to hawaii where he's gonna fly home yeah that's the next i'm, I'm i think we can talk about specific scenes oh, okay. um in our like best and worst parts mm-hmm. i'm just trying to like give a very broad overview of the plot now for anyone who hasn't seen it and the, the american government is trying they're gonna try to lure all three of them they figured they all feed off nuclear energy they're gonna mm-hmm. try to lure them out into the ocean away from san francisco and then detonate that bomb and kill all three of them and that is the uh objective of the rest of the movie is mm-hmm. trying to get that nuclear bomb to the u.s but the one of the biggest issues is the ma- the female mudo which is much larger 
has this like radius radius of like EMP. Yeah, pretty much is constantly emitting an EMP and knocks out planes or any other electronics. So mm -hmm. they have to like transport it by train. Anyways, it obviously climb all it culminates in a climactic battle in San Francisco, where uh, Godzilla does his job as the uh, as the protector of Earth. Yay! Yay! Okay, Yay. so do we want to start with? I want to talk about some lore real quick oh, that I think it. is important. So at the very beginning scene, this is where we're we're first introduced to Monarch, like just like the first time we realize that Monarch that this there's an underlying kaiju group um, in the Philippines, and so their mining operation has uh, dug into this cavern, and so this is where it gets a little unsure. Some people think both Mutos were in the cavern, and once the cavern opened, the oxygen interacted with them, and they both left. Um, I don't know. I it I would, really think it only implies that there is one. It would make more sense if the one in the U.S. was the one with the wings. Yes. And it's possible that the larvae form of the Mudo has mm -hmm. the wings and then doesn't later. Mm -hmm. I think it it is a bit odd. The movie just kind of just... All of a sudden, there's another Mudo, like out of nowhere. And so they've been asleep because, well, the the female has been asleep because she's been waiting for the male to mature. The only reason the male, the only reason there's a problem is because accidentally, um, while, while investigating this like radiation pocket, Monarch accidentally started it all. Yeah. Um, but something that is very... <laughs> Which retroactively is classic yeah, Monarch. Classic Monarch. So... <laughs> When when they go into the cave, there is what seems to be remnants of a gooey egg sac thing mm. and a giant skeleton. You can see Monarch walking through the ribs and they ask, is this him? And I always interpreted that to be, is this Godzilla, mm -hmm. the skeleton? And they said, no, it's older. And so I want to explain because you're probably like, what the heck is that? So um, the Mutos have been around so the lore of legendary godzilla is that the world used to be way more radioactive which explained all the kaijus the world mm -hmm. got less radioactive the kaijus died off there used to be um more mutos um godzilla's like natural arch nemesis is um a muto and so they were prehistoric parasites they mm. because godzilla thrived off of radiation um and so do mutos mutos would kill godzilla's kind and lay eggs in their carcasses interesting which we see in other bugs doing but so that mm. is what happened to this and this is not exactly a godzilla but it is a similar um it's like a relative in the family tree they called him dagon and so if you know things about like um like just like history um dagon is the name of uh i believe a Sumerian god, and I could be totally wrong, but Dagon is mentioned um, as, I think, Sumerian god in, like, the Bible. Um, and that is just the name that they attributed to this uh, Godzilla-esque titan. Um, so he was previously killed so long ago. Um, another Muto laid an egg in him, and it's been incubating ever since. Uh so context so that's um part of why godzilla has some personal beef with the mutos when you look at this when we see 
Um, they're also attracted to radiation. That's why the male Muto steals the nuke and brings it to the female. Um, they're using a nuclear source to incubate their eggs. Um, and so part of Godzilla, who is, we learn later, is brings order to the earth. Can you imagine what looked to be hundreds of Muto eggs in San Francisco if they'd all hatched? Sure. It would have brought about the end of the world. Like, it would have overrun everything. Um, so that was just kind of some interesting things I wanted to talk about. And so you asked, um, so Muto is a placeholder name before Kaiju would receive its official name. So Godzilla is officially Titanus Godzilla. I just don't think they had enough research at all. Mm. And I don't think the Mutos were necessarily safe enough to get close to, to, um, really research, especially cause I think we see Monarch kind of in its early years. Um, so now you asked about the the Muto we see at the end of King of the Monsters. Do you want me to talk about that now or wait? Um, yeah, go for it. While we're in lower corner, let's do All it. All right. So spoilers for Godzilla 2014. Godzilla kills both Mutos. Um, <laughs> and so Mutos are like a matriarchal kind of kaiju breed. I don't know. So there's male Mutos, which, are, which have wings, and they're much smaller than the female counterparts. So there is a female Muto. If a female Muto gets old enough, she will then become a queen Muto, which is why we see the Muto at the end of um, King of the Monsters so drastically bigger and different. She's got a whole lot more legs, and it's very uncomfortable to look at. Um, <laughs> she's one we see one of the kaiju bowing to Godzilla at the end of the movie, um, and so she's a queen Muto. Um, and this always kind of brings up the question of why didn't Godzilla attack her if... Um, they're such a if she would be such a danger to him she is the last muto so i see she's she's like head honcho of literally herself it's hmm. like being the ruler of a one person country kind of sucks um so with that not only did she um submit to godzilla at the end of the king of the monsters but because she's a queen muto it seems that she's a whole lot older um, I think there's even some details that show she has some battle scars. So she's either killed other Mutos um, or it's assumed she's past reprodu- reproducing mm. age. So she is not technically a threat unless she were to make herself one. But I don't, because she's the last one, there's really nothing. They'll mm. probably go extinct after her. So Muto lore. Um, yeah. And so we had this conversation because we were trying to figure out because the female had eggs before she met the male Muto. So there seems to be some interesting, almost asexual reproduction, at least at the beginning, before the male shows up. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, this is definitely the foundation that for why you expand this out. I think, uh, I wish this information were or information like it were in the Monarch TV show. I think that'd be interesting, but... You're telling me. <laughs> um, quick fun fact that I'm reading here. At the beginning of the movie, whenever uh, Joe is at the nuclear reactor before it uh, collapses, he has a boss who he's reporting to. That boss is played by Gary Chalk, who's also the voice actor for Optimus Primal. So fun Transformers no connection. A very unexpected Transformers connection. Uh, good stuff. Um, so you want, uh, I think that would be a good time to talk about, uh, maybe we can alternate between like favorite and worst things. Uh, one of my favorite things in this movie, 
um, while we're talking about Monarch, uh, the inclusion of, I'm going to say this with all due respect, real actors, <laughs> having real actors and real cinematography, there's just a difference between streaming actors and movie actors. But even then, like, the writing also really affects it. Mm-hmm. And the time. See, uh, the thing that I don't fault people in television shows for is television shows a lot longer. You don't have as much time to prepare for as many lines. You have way more things to do with your character. Acting movies tend to have much longer development, longer shooting time for less screen time. Uh, So just the actors, while I remember this movie being very boring on the human part, I was a lot more engaged in this at the very least than I was Monarch. And I really appreciated that. At the very least, like the tone of it, I, I respected. I don't, it is, it is far from a complex human drama, but I did find the characters a little more believable, mm-hmm. a little more realistic, a little more engaging, and the cinematography helped a ton. The way the movie is shot, um, including cinematography, just like creative shots. One of the best shots of the movie is at one point, once Godzilla, the, actually it's the first moment Godzilla mm-hmm. and the Mudo interact in um, oh, San Francisco. Oh. Um, L is getting funneled with a bunch of people down into a uh, like a storm shelter, mm-hmm. and she turns, and they collide right as the door is closing, and it's yeah. just a brilliant shot. The movie, while incredibly frustrating with how often it cuts away from the monster action, mm-hmm. the way it keeps you in the perspective of a person, that shot is just like yes. terrifying. The scaling of this film Scales is amazing, and yes. I think so. We're gonna talk about King of the Monsters. I think like it, you are locked. You are. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Our own Mudo's over there making sounds. Yeah. Um, it's just the way it is shot. You are like, oh my gosh, I am tiny compared to these Titans. It's just, it's so mm-hmm. intimidating. One of my favorite scenes is um, Godzilla's reveal. Actually, it's his reveal in the movie, but it's his reveal in Hawaii. Uh-huh. When the tsunami comes in, which is actually, that's a pretty dark scene. Um, yes. Lots of people die. It's probably the yeah. highest quantity of deaths in the movie other than buildings collapsing. Yeah. We don't know if people died there. Probably did, but we don't know if there's people in those buildings. Yeah. This, we know people are getting flooded away. And it and so there's you have the military who's up on the rooftops and they shoot flares. Mm-hmm. And you... It, it's so dark. And I really... And I know... I think we've talked a lot about cinema. is like, stop making things so dark. It worked <laughs> because you don't want to reveal it. And we kind of like get an idea. They shoot flares up. Flares go really high. And it barely touches his arms. You know, it yeah. touches his shoulders. And it's like, oh, he's big. And the Muto is um, uh, causing chaos Mm -hmm. and you see from inside the airport the people are screaming because the muto is destroying planes i feel sorry for the people who got on their planes that sucks Um, yeah yeah and then you um godzilla's foot comes into frame Mm -hmm. and the crowd just goes silent and i i really feel like that's pretty realistic you know this giant chunky foot has come out of nowhere and you're just going to be in a stunned silence. And then it goes up to the pan, pans up to Godzilla, and he does mm-hmm. the roar. And it's like, and then it cuts. <laughs> <laughs> you only get to see the next couple scenes like through CNN or whatever news source. I think it was Fox News, actually. Oh, funny. Um, through Which was kind of disappointing, but wow. <laughs> I just think it was a great buildup reveal. And then we didn't get enough, but it's fine. 
Um, Speaking of staying on scale, another example, great example of scale in this movie is the Halo jump, which was so... when uh, the uh, the soldiers or the, the the drop troopers, whatever they're called, jump out of the plane in San Francisco, and they're falling right past in a storm as Godzilla and the Mudo fight. Mm-hmm. And just like, you're right there, you're seeing from the perspective of a person, and it's so rare that you get a person at Godzilla's eyeline and like, with like, so that to have a person right there mm-hmm. next to Godzilla and, and brilliant you know, scene. Technically we got that in legacy of monsters. They do go by Godzilla's <laughs> face, but That's it's true. just, it is not the same impact. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it is a gorgeous shot of watching them fall through the air with the red lines, the red flares. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something about it. Yeah. Brilliant. Just a brilliantly choreographed, gorgeous scene that, really gives you what you want um another the other great scale scene for me is the bridge sequence where uh ford is riding along with the train that's carrying the nuclear bomb yes and the mudo shows up trying to eat it and uh it's pretty much they stop the train our characters are laying down on the train and they're on a bridge and the mudo is like at eyeline with the bridge. Yeah. And that is, it's a wide, you have to cut to this wide shot of like, it's like straight on with the bridge. And so you just see the, our characters laying down how small they are. And it's just like, again, another, this scene is highly contrived in my opinion. Like plot wise, this character, this scene does not need to happen, but like just visually as an We're action sequence, it. as a, as a, um, uh, just a moment in this movie. It's an incredible example of just how, does not doing the same thing over and over, doing unique sequences, which does, I would say, is somewhat lost in the following uh, movies in this series. Of uh, They kind of st- more tend to stick to your fairly standard mm-hmm. monster sequences while they're done very well. This movie, I as of right now in my mind, has the, the gets the points on creativity for how these scenes uh, unfold and their setting. And it's just, uh, man, that thing is scary. This... This movie's very yeah. scary because of the scale. I think that is, I like monster movies more than other sort of, like, large monster movies. More than any other, like, sort of horror thing or thriller thing or action thing. Because just, like, modern CGI can so greatly capture the scale mm-hmm. of a thing. And yep. so when these movies manage to make these things feel big, it's ah, it's the best. That is something that's 100% lost by the time we get to Godzilla X-Kong or versus Kong. <laughs> yep, that was one thing I was going to talk about. And I, I think King of the Monsters still did a really good job with sure. scale, but yeah, with scale, but just, and I don't know, just that, I'm not going to complain about Godzilla versus Kong yet. <laughs> just wait for six weeks. <laughs> yeah, wait till March. Um, But so, yeah, it's it's so well done. In this but um, I think some, uh, an area we can uh, talk about some negatives for a moment. An area where this movie does fall short on that front is, there are a few sequences where the sound effects and the way the humans are shot, it doesn't quite... There are far too many sequences. This is this is a classic movie problem. Lots of mm-hmm. movies do this. Godzilla and the Mudos are able to sneak up on people. Yeah. Which makes no sense. Like, this movie is going for realistic. And these things are gigantic. And they would cause tremors wherever they went. And there is very little... When the movie wants it to be a surprise when they show up, there are very few tremors. And 
the actors themselves are not like there's I think the worst moment is when you have the final confrontation between Godzilla and the Munos. He just lets out an incredible roar and it's beautifully shot and the sound design is incredible and the humans barely react and they would be their eardrums would be blown and they would be like falling to the ground and they're barely reacting and he starts stomping and they're like again there's like they're not being shook at their core and i feel like the movie really misses a beat with the people themselves not being really affected in certain moments that was actually one of the things that was really showcased in minus one totally that scene i i, t- I probably talk about the scene all the time but the scene where godzilla steps down on the road uh-huh in yeah. uh Ging- Gingza, and mm-hmm. it breaks up the asphalt and we see like 30 people ragdolled into the air i don't know that image is just like weirdly burned into my eyelids because it's just it's realistic and we don't see stuff like that but that yeah i agree with you it's like they're real quiet and they're a block away uh do you have another uh negative that you would throw out i don't know if it's necessarily negative um like within the making of the film but that bridge the uh san francisco bridge scene could have been totally avoided if the military hadn't shot at godzilla he would Mm -hmm. have just i mean he was pushing some boats away but he was probably just gonna go straight into san francisco and when they opened fire on him that's when he tore through the bridge to get away Mm -hmm. and and you know whatever I don't know what I would do in a situation where the giant monster's coming towards San Francisco. They're trying to take preventative (laughs) measures, but it's kind of like, oh man, it could have been avoided. And we did confirm all of those tanks were regular military versus in Monarch Legacy of Monsters, they had retconned the Monarch logo onto them. And that was not the case. I don't even think Monarch probably had military Mm -hmm. at this point. um, Because when... No, the military might have been like aware because the military is aware of those things. I don't think they had the same control like they do in King of the Monsters. Yeah. Um, so for context for the sequence you're talking about, it's the same scene where uh, Kate Kate loses uh, the kids. was on the bus and it fell and all the kids died. Same sequence. Uh, pretty much what's been happening is Godzilla has been crossing the ocean from Hawaii to San Francisco swam. with military. Uh, like uh, helicopters like military and battleships there. are with him. So Godzilla has shown that he is not out to yeah. wreak havoc like the Mudos are. So we know to some extent he is not totally just like He's chaotic. Got some benevolence. And he arrives in San Francisco and he stops at the bridge. And the question here is, why did he stop? I'm a yeah. moment later. He's walking through the San Francisco Bay underwater red light. I'm guessing he realized that he was too tall. To get through. Because he stops. Maybe. And he, the water was, is getting shallower and shallower at that point. He was doing the math. Yeah. And so because well, he stopped, the humans had... Uh, would have had to, like, belly crawl. <laughs> <laughs> the humans panic and f- open fire on him, which causes him to react. And he st- pretty much just stands up and goes through the San Francisco Bridge, which kills a lot of people. Yeah. It's and a scary scene. cuts off people from escaping. Yes, yeah. The Now, one thing I thought, so we thought, how deep is the San Francisco Bridge? How can he just swim into it like he does at the end? Um, so in the middle, apparently it's about 350 feet deep. Godzilla at his height, no, 300 feet deep, and Godzilla at his height is about 350. So maybe he could horizontal his way. That but makes sense. It still probably would have been 
so shallow towards the br- well maybe not towards the bridge but towards the dock area where he jumped in at the end anyways we're not going to hold too much science in the godzilla film <laughs> but we were curious um i want to know um i want to know how dr sarazawa got involved with monarch because considering he, he's not head of monarch at this point we yes. know that considering Legacy of Monsters takes place. Maybe they just couldn't get Ken Watanabe in for the mo- for the show. <laughs> um, but I want to know, and maybe at this point he's just like a scientist who is uh, head of one of the areas that they watch. Um, but I could have sworn in King of the Monsters he was kind of head honcho. Mm. I was pretty sure he was he was pretty up there, um, leadership wise. Yeah, I, I hopefully they'll explore that in Monarch. I would, I would love to oh, actually. If only for them to explore things. Yeah. Uh huh. Other than the characters. Back so, first. quick note. I'm so I'm looking through the uh, Wikizilla uh, page <laughs> for this movie. Dot org. Put some respect on uh-huh. its name. <laughs> and they have posters from different mo- uh, countries Ooh. on here for this movie. And so this is the fairly standard poster for the movie. It's red. It has Godzilla standing over San Francisco. But it yep. also, unlike other ones, uh, and I, I failed to specify this is the Japanese version of the poster. Um, it has your character, all your main characters in the front. Like other ones don't. It's got L and boy. Uh, Brody. Ford and Dr. Dr. Serza and Dad. Joe. Who the heck is this? It has this woman who I do not recognize. There is a woman go- following around with... Um, that is not Dr. Graham. Yeah, who's played by Sally Hawkins, who's the main character in... Uh, uh, I'm Dating a Fish Man. What's the name of that movie? Uh, uh, Sound Sound of Water? No. Oh, Shape of Water. Shape of Water, thank you. I That's no the mom. Idea. That's Brody's oh, mom. Oh, shoot. She's barely in the movie it's hard to see what it's it's, you don't always expect to see her face considering last time we saw her was Uh radiation yeah she has a mask on for half of her scene yeah that's his mom that's what a weird act like ah, wow okay thank you for clarifying that anyways um this poster negative anyways (laughs) (laughs) negative hey question yes do you think area 51 is a monarch base in universe ah well, considering that's approximately where the Mudo came from, very possible. Um, anyway, so... One, Lady Mudo. I uh, want to talk about another positive. Uh, we're going to go small now. Small scene. That I, I think this movie could definitely do with more solid character moments, but there is one character moment that really gets me. So, at the opening, when we have young Ford and Joe leaving their home to go deal with... well. Joe is going, Joe and his wife are going to go deal with this nuclear reactor problem. Um, Casual. They, it is Joe's birthday and young Ford is making him a sign. And he was going to like, Joe was going to wake up, Ford was going to wake up early and surprise his dad on his birthday. But Joe was up early because earlier than him because of this whole problem and they don't get to celebrate, and then his mom <laughs> dies. Um, cut to 15 years later when the movie actually, when the main element nice. occurs, they go back to their home, and the happy birthday dad sign is still up. That is a really nicely done, yeah. there's no line of dialogue, it's purely visual. Uh, it's a very obvious visual. It's not like, you know, 
it's very subtle, but it got me. I did not remember that. I was like, this is a nice character moment because you kind of get the feeling that Ford has not really dealt with any of the emotions of his. He went into the military to push all that down. Yeah. His, he, he pretty much lost both of his parents yeah. that day. And the fact that that sign is still up 15 years ago is one, kind of unrealistic, but two, really emotionally impactful. So I like that. I wanted to call out that scene because I do appreciate in this Godzilla movie. Now, it kind of pales in comparison to the many, many nice small character moments in Godzilla Minus One, but still want to give this movie credit. Well, and then go- going to the scene shortly after that, when, um, you know, Ford has agreed. He's like, fine, Dad, I will take, I'll follow you. I'll follow you into the exclusion zone. They go back to their house. They like spend the night there, I think. Um, Cause Ford wakes up and his dad is like, Oh no, this is actually before they go into the exclusion zone. This is um, in the dad in Joe's like apartment, which is just crammed with items, like just crammed with things um, from the day of the accident and he spends the night because he's like, Dad, just come home. You've got a grandson who wants to see you. You know, stay with your family. And they go to sleep and Brody wakes up and his dad is back in his old shenanigans at his computer. I don't know who he's talking to, but he's like hacker man <laughs> looking at the ratings of like the um, the sensors uh, of whatever contact he has. And I really think the conversation that they have is very powerful. Hmm. Um there it's kind of it's almost like a bit of a heart to heart um where joe is trying to convince brody to go with him to the exclusion zone and and this is and brody's like come home ignore this like you know he's he's plead this is a son pleading to his dad to come home and we kind of mentioned this and you know any chance to dog on legacy of monsters will do (laughs) or legacy of uh, whatever legacy of monsters um and just, I don't know, and granted, we've talked about streaming actors versus movie actors, but in such a short time, you get such a good idea of how hurt these two fa- these two family members are um, and how this hurt has driven them apart. Um, and we kind of made a comment. We were like, oh, wow. We had like five good minutes of dialogue. And for, um, basically, we were just saying like, this little amount of conversation was leagues ahead of what they were trying to pull off in legacy of monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Because one Joe is a sympathetic character. <laughs> he is the opposite of, uh, of Hiroshi, Hiroshi. <laughs> and Ford is a somewhat sympathetic character. Also the opposite of both uh, Kate and Kentaro. Uh, so I agree. Um, though I would feel that actually that brings up a thought that I had in this movie, which was watching this. Monarch is heavily borrowing story elements. Like it, it feels like they looked at this movie and borrowed you get the whole f- father son element. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, if I had a nickel for every time there was a Godzilla movie with a distant father figure, <laughs> I'd have a lot of nickels. Uh, I feel like there was. I'm blanking. I didn't write any of them down. I just feel like there was a lot of things that happened in this movie that feel like they were also very mm-hmm. prevalent in the Monarch show, and so it's kind of an interesting parallel between the two. Um, to 
pivot from what I was talking about, about small moment uh, that I really liked. That does kind of highlight, though, that there, there should be more of those, and I think there would be more potential for more of those if they focused on the right characters. I feel like they focused on the wrong character. Making Ford the main character of this movie, a very boring military man, mm. you, it should be a buddy movie between Joe and Dr. Sarazara. is what it really <laughs> what it should be. Uh, because they are the by far the two most interesting characters in the movie, but Joe is killed at the end of the first act, right. and with no like his character has no conclusion whatsoever. And Dr. Sarazawa is not even given anything to do. He's, I don't understand He's why. He's just trying to convince the military not to kill Godzilla. I don't know why you give, I don't know why this character exists because he has nothing to do, but he is, after Joe dies, he's by far the most interesting character in the movie because he has this interesting respect and perspective on Godzilla that would be way more interesting to follow. And so this movie had such a chance to have interesting main characters and does not. There is also that nice scene where Dr. Sarazawa meets with the military general, like after I think the attack on Hawaii or shortly mm. before. Um, cause Dr. Sar- this is, cause doc- this, I think this is where the general's like, hey, we might have to kill Godzilla, just letting you know, FYI, for, you know, sake of the world and all that. And Dr. Sarazawa is kind of against that. Um, I think he's trying to convince them, you know, just, just let Godzilla do his job his theorized job that we think he has in balancing things. And he pulls out this pocket watch. Um, and I think, and I, and I could be misremembering, I could be mixing up my movies, but I think the general asks him what time it was. And this is where we learn that this pocket watch that uh, Dr. Sarazawa has with his father's, mm. who had died in Hiroshima I believe I see yeah yeah because it stopped at that time and he kind of mentions it and the general doesn't really say anything and honestly I don't know what else you would say in that moment because what can you say (laughs) um but it was just a I thought it was a nice quiet moment um you had such a funny comment at the end of the film which was this is when so as you and this is something you'd mentioned. There's so many scenes where we just don't hear Godzilla, when the uh, lady Muto—that's what I'm calling her—is <laughs> leaning over Brody because she's gonna first of all kill him for destroying that's, her eggs. That's so interesting. That's what you're talking about because I just clicked. I'm trying to find a particular moment from the end, and I just clicked mm-hmm. to the end, and that's the exact moment I came in. Yeah. On. Um. And Ugh, so, so she good. she's about to eat Brody and the warhead, uh-huh. and then she stops, and we're like, "Huh, what happened?" And the camera like pans just a well, little here, bit. Here's what it is: is it you have the lady Mudo come in real close, real close yeah. on Ford, and it's a shot of him. And everything is red because of all of the fires and mm-hmm. the flares. And then this blue light illuminates his face. And then it cuts to the Mudo and the Mudo turns. And then. Well, it yeah, it like, it makes it like, it like stiffens. <laughs> it makes this weird like face and oh, twitches. Oh, sorry. You... I'm talking when Brody's laying in the boat at the very. Okay, like... sorry. I got the scenes mixed up. Okay. Um. I'm gonna finish describing what I yes. was talking about. I don't mean, but now while we're talking about it, okay. This is the first time. So the, there's a blue light illuminating. There's a noise. Uh, and yes. And then the, you just see this light, and you can't quite figure it out. And then it moves, and then it's in the mist, and you realize we're looking at Godzilla's tail, and this light creeps up his body, and ah, uh, Godzilla gives out his. It's an hour forty-five into the movie, finally Famous uses atomic his atomic breath. blast. Um. Uh, so so good. So I, I was going to say, because we talked about 
Um, it's where the Muto is really close to Brody. It's like going to eat him. Yeah. And then it like stops. It like jerks. Uh-huh. And it, the camera pans just a little bit. And Godzilla is just there. <laughs> and uh-huh. he's bitten down on uh, the Lady Muto's shoulder, which was kind of something you mentioned. There's so many scenes where you just don't hear Godzilla. I would almost expect to hear Godzilla in that vicinity, but that's just me. Maybe I'm built different. <laughs> yes. Um, but so you get this nice scene where uh, Godzilla finishes off the Lady Muto. And so as we've seen, they have very thick exoskeletons. Like so thick. Godzilla has not been able to do a lot of damage. The reason he killed the male Muto was because he flung it into a steel girder. And and using his tail. Using his tail and it stabbed it to death. Um, and so Godzilla forces Lady Muto's mouth open, and this is this is what's called in canon, the kiss of death, <laughs> and um, atomic blasts straight down her throat and mm. just decapitates her. Um, and there's a moment after he, he like, tosses her head off away. He's like, nah. Um, sorry, I was watching Athena. She looked like she was eating something she shouldn't be. Um, and so Godzilla tosses the head aside and then he he looks at Brody and Brody looks at him and you just go game recognizes game <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was just really funny um one of the other scenes that I like is when it's shortly after uh Brody has destroyed the Muto nest mm-hmm. big explosion um the actually the lady Muto actually gives out a rather agonized cry you know very seeing her the hundreds of thousands of offspring dead and burning valid um and so he manages to get away godzilla i think distracts the mutos um and brody is like making his way towards the docks because he's kind of been left behind um by his other uh he's been separated from the other military guys and after um godzilla takes out the male Muto Godzilla kind of just collapses. Well, what happens is he, so the the male Muto is coming at him. He mm-hmm. swings around, smacks oh. him with a tail into the building. <laughs> that kills the Muto, but it also causes this very large skyscraper to fall it on does. Godzilla. And, and that knocks him out of the fight for a bit. It's not funny, but it's kind of a little it's funny. It's very funny. But so he falls down, and then there's a scene where Brody comes across um, Godzilla laying there in the uh-huh. rubble. And um, they make eye contact. Yeah. And I actually really like this scene because he is watching Godzilla and then it's like the smoke just comes and envelops mm-hmm. Godzilla. And it's just, it's eerie, but it's cool. And I, I was just, I, if I was Brody personally, I would have to fight really hard to not go give him a little pat. <laughs> like he's right there. Just a little <laughs> touch. So th- everything you just said kind of leads into two different things I want to talk about. Uh, one good, one bad. Uh, good. This movie looks incredible. Like, we're talking about all this. We haven't really mentioned... It, I think us saying it's effective implies... It, it just, like, especially now that it's 10 years old. It just... Its use of CGI is just phenomenal. It just, like... I don't, there's not really a moment in this movie where I didn't believe what I was looking at. Now, it's greatly helped by two different things. One, you rarely ever see the monsters straight on. Oftentimes, it's from a distance, or you're seeing a part of them... And it's also very frequently, especially this whole final fight is at night with a lot of dust. At night. So they're really covering up uh, you following along at home with the rebels and robots 
drinking game. You can take a shot every time we make a SpongeBob reference. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, they are using tricks to cover these up, but Saves you know, on I the still CGI. respect it. I, I res- like if it looks amazing. I don't even like. Yeah, it's a little covered up with the dust. Sometimes it's a little hard to tell what you're looking at. It's a little dark, but overall, very effective use of visual effects. Another thing I want to talk about real quick. Something so you mentioning the connection that is formed between Brody, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Ford Brody and Godzilla doesn't really make any thematic sense. Like these characters aren't really that similar. Either Godzilla needed a family to protect, or if this were again Sirizawa, if you had him be the main character, because there's a sequence here, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, where both when Godzilla stands up and when like Joe or uh, Brody gets knocked down, he also like stands up like they're like, cutting back and forth. Mm-hmm. They're drawing this parallel between the two characters that isn't really there. But if it were Sirizawa who had gotten knocked down and is standing up, like like I think they have much stronger similarities. Maybe this kind of gives Godzilla because I I don't think they saw Godzilla really between Bikini Atoll and like now. Uh huh. Um, he was just goofing off. I don't know. He's somewhere. Uh, Monarch probably knew where he was, but maybe it was kind of a learning moment for Godzilla. Because okay. his his experience probably with humans is not the greatest. They're either observing him or in the 50s they're trying to nuke him. Um, You know, they're trying to destroy him and fight him. So maybe this seeming connection with Brody gives him like an idea of, oh, I guess they're not all that, that bad. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely draw conclusions. I just think there'd be there's better characters to have put in that role. If you're trying to draw a parallel between a human character and Godzilla, either Sarazawa or... Uh, imagine this movie if it were the other way around. If it were Joe was one who survived and Ford died at the end of the first act. That would, yet again, make for uh, yeah. Joe the more interesting character. Because, yes, it's interesting for that... Uh, Ford lost both of his parents to this monster, but we don't ever... He's not very emotional. But, man, Brian Cranston, who, if you don't know, is most famous for being the dad in Malcolm in the Middle and the main character on Breaking Bad, is so incredible. In his very little screen time, he has so much emotion. He really sells the character. I want to follow that character the rest of the movie. Now, I think what happened is this movie was being made right as Breaking Bad was taking off. So mm. I don't think they realized what they had when they wrote that Jesse, character and we have cast to cook. him. <laughs> let him cook. Let them cook. <laughs> let them fight and let them cook. <laughs> um, so yeah, so those uh, any I think that like pretty much exhausts my list of negatives Bro- and positives. Brody's probably gonna name his next kid after Godzilla. His first. Kid. Oh, that reminds me. His, his first kid. Sam is a family name. Papa, why was the name Godzilla? You named after the best man I've ever known. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dad, why is mom the name? Uh, why is my sister named Sarah? Oh, Sarah was a teacher who taught your mom and was really influential on her in her life. Oh, okay. Thanks, Dad. I love you. I love you too, Godzilla. <laughs> um, Dr. Sarazawa names Godzilla, calls him Gojira, mm-hmm. the original Japanese name, and then later... Godzilla is very rarely referenced by name in this movie. And later, a random American soldier, I believe, is the first one to call him Godzilla. It's out of nowhere. There's not really a good canonical reason in this, from what I can tell, at least in this movie, why Godzilla is called Godzilla. Hmm. It comes out of nowhere. 
Uh, a little disappointed. I don't know if there was maybe a deleted scene or what happened there. That could have been. Um, uh, you got any uh, final notes other than before we go to hmm? <laughs> or things that make us go hmm? I think I'm good. Uh, oh, my last thought. Just one last thing. I, I probably am. I don't mean to come across as like knowing better than professional Hollywood filmmakers, but I just like I'm not trying to like. Oh, it would be so cool if Godzilla could fly and shoot lasers out of his. I'm not like adding things that aren't there. I I try to often take he things. Can. I tr- what? He already can in some movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I try to take things that are already in the movie and I, I try to like look at if you had pivoted just a little bit, this movie would have been improved. I think the movie would have been I would have really enjoyed if they had spent a lot more time in the abandoned Japanese city. Because mm. it is very cool. It's like all covered in moss and abandoned. Like they 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 evacuated that place. There's a lot of work put into designing that city, the concept art, the CGI potentially some modeling there should be at least one action scene like i think i just had this image in my mind while they were walking through that city imagine if godzilla was tearing through this city and our two characters are the only people there that's so rare where there's a both a city sequence almost unheard of you have a city sequence where our humans are the only humans involved Mm -hmm. like imagine if they got chased by the mudo through there like i just like it looks it's such a unique environment i think they put a lot of work into designing it and they don't use it at all so i would i don't think the entire movie has to take place there especially because the final act in san francisco is so good but i think maybe instead of the hawaii sequence or instead of the las vegas sequence which is kind of cool uh there's a moment in this movie where the mudo the female mudo lady mudo tears through las vegas and it's pretty cool but it's very brief and you don't really see a lot actually happen imagine if that had been instead in uh in this city so that was just an idea that came to my mind that i I think was a missed opportunity um so uh our our one of my favorite segments whenever we review a film is things that make you go hmm uh for me uh you you mentioned the moment where ford comes face to face with a female mudo he uh at least at the ending he's on the boat i think what I, i think he's just like working on the boat trying to get the bomb ready and he's trying to he's trying to get the boat to start oh, so yeah. when the sh- so when it explodes it will um float out and it gets disabled by an EMP and blast. It, uh what happens is is all the other soldiers have like lured the mudo away oh. <laughs> and he gets on the boat and it gets going and he finally like rests and then he sees the arm come down and he looks up and it cuts to a wide shot and the boat is really not moving and the mudo is just like staring down at him <laughs> and it's very unintentionally comedic like the movie has so frequently nailed these kind of shots where it cuts wide but the very abrupt cut wide to our character learning having an oh crap moment it uh it's very funny and totally makes you go hmm. mm. um don't forget uh oh do you have more uh, i have a few more i have two okay. more hmms mm. um at the beginning of the movie in uh ford's room is a poster with what looks like like kaiju on it. Uh-huh. Specifically Godzilla yeah. and the Muto. Oh yeah, the on yeah, it looks like it looks like a Muto. That's a bizarre tr- I don't know if that was just like the set design, but it's very prominent in that shot. Like, I feel like sometimes there can be uh things in a movie that maybe the even director didn't see because it's in the background. It's small. This is like front and center. So I don't know what they were thinking having a fictional poster. Foreshadowing. So let me go. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, finally, this is not in the movie, but it, it 
does make you go, hmm, Allison. Uh, so famously, Godzilla himself, he a chonky boy. This this design yes. is pretty thick. Beefy. Uh, and <laughs> towards the end of the movie, Allison, my wife, she goes, Godzilla's got the hips of a Pixar mom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's not wrong. He's um, not even his final form yet. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, any any other notes? Um, those poor. It's kind of interesting how the soldiers were. The, while Brody is in the, uh, there's the scene where they're loading the warhead into the boat. Some of the other military members, and the Muto, pretty much, uh, destroys the guys on the ship, and then there are just groups of military men all standing in convenient, uh, close proximity with each other um for the muto to take out conveniently like no yes. movement yeah yep, just yep. Sh- just standing in place shooting up and it's pretty obvious that's not been working <laughs> yeah i mean they were really focused on drawing him muto away but i think drawing the muto a whole 50 feet away from its subject when the whole thing itself is hundreds of feet tall yeah. not not doing much um overall Really fun Godzilla movie. I think I actually have more respect for it now than even I did at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate its minimalism. I think it could have done more narratively, but I think overall it is a solid Godzilla film that I really enjoyed. Um, now on to meme minute, but it's longer than a minute. Uh, but is it longer than a meme parsec or a meme astrosecond? That is for I need. I need to make up a Godzilla one. Is it longer than? <laughs> however tall Godzilla is in the most recent Godzilla movie. He's so tall. <laughs> he gets taller. He's big. How uh, many do you have? Uh, oh, memes. I think I have eight or nine. I have 13. <laughs> and I also have two videos. Okay. So go ahead and show me a meme. I just love this image. <laughs> what is the Geneva Convention? How have I broke it? It's just a very deep fried image of Rodimus Rodimus Prime. Prime. <laughs> Very good. I like it. Um, this is not obligatory, not a meme, but it is a very fun toy commercial from of Godzilla from the nineties. Uh, so one, the do you hit her with your thermonuclear blast breath is hilarious. <laughs> and the effects, what you don't see, because you're listening, listeners, uh, is at, at the listeners. end when the kid said, nice hair, it's the babysitter and her hair has been blown up back. But also her face, in case you didn't realize, Rachel, mm-hmm. uh, has been like stretched using like practical effects. Like yeah. what an effect. <sighs> if, you, if you've never seen them. Toy commercials from the 90s are insane, and they're hilarious. So that was the Godzilla Trend Masters commercial. Very funny. I did not know what I was getting into when that thing showed up on my feed. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. Uh, what else do you got, Rachel? Uh, Godzilla plus one. <laughs> it's a photo of a classic Godzilla standing next to just a woman. Uh, Godzilla suit. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, parasol. That's oh, it's really cute. I love it. That's fun. 
plus one. Uh, this I have this video captioned Uncle Owen taking young Luke to the movie theater. Are you sorry, sir, that you brought your son along to see Alien? No, ma'am. I think you should have seen it. There's something that he needs to know that things could like that could happen in life. That could be a true story based on, you know, science or science. We, we, have, we never know what's going on on the outside of the world. <laughs> I don't think anything else has to be said about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's certainly a lot. Oh, man. Now, modern reinterpretation of Uncle Owen is a much more intelligent man than that. But I don't, I get the feeling that classic Uncle Uncle Owen, he's a bit simple. He doesn't have a ton going on between between the years. Let's uh, let's move to the desert the and uh, form farm moisture. Form moisture. Form moisture. <laughs> All right, what else you got, Rachel? Uh, selling uh, selling tech figure from Bad Batch season three. It's just an empty box. <laughs> an empty Very black nice. series uh, box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is a screenshot of a tweet from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, in Star Wars Force Awakens, BB-8, a smooth rolling metal metal spherical ball would have skidded uncontrollably on the sand. And then it's just an image of someone pushing <laughs> a nerd into a locker with <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson's head on it. On it. <laughs> Such a simple meme, so but good. so effective. <laughs> I also love the idea of like someone uh, bullying someone not for liking Star Wars, but for like being too critical of star wars like the cool kid likes star wars and is like shut up nerd (laughs) shut up nerd uh what else you got uh image from the movie of godzilla fighting the muto versus captioned my cat versus the vet (laughs) it's godzilla using atomic blast (laughs) hmm what what kind of what kind of uh long range attack do you have athena i I can't even see her (laughs) you're supposed to be taking notes you're our editor what are you doing She's gone. Um, so this has got uh, um, Bambi laying oh. next to Bambi's dead mother. And Bambi is labeled uh, Boba Fett. And the dead oh. mother is labeled Jango Fett. And then you have a skeleton with machine Mace. guns and labeled Mace Windu. Did you make that one? Do you want to double down and guess right now? No, I got to see the rest of them. <laughs> this is a picture of... Uh, a popcorn or um, a drink, like a drink themed bucket for the upcoming Godzilla film. What if we held hands and kissed while sharing the Godzilla sippy cup? And it's got two straws and two sections. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's really funny. A big old handle. Can you imagine how heavy that thing is? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> That's a thick boy, just like Godzilla himself. Godzilla? Uh, God, God, I kind of co- combined Godzilla and Gojira. Gojira. Um, he a thick he a thick boy. All he I really did was, is. All I did was move the figure. <laughs> um, so this is the uh, the Master Skywalker. There are too many of them. What are they gonna oh, do, uh, kid? But his face has been replaced with uh the uh the gingerbread man from Shrek, and then you have the infamous shot of the lightsaber igniting, but the lightsaber has been replaced with milk. 
and Anakin's been replaced with Cookie Monster. Oh. <laughs> I don't like the way his mouth is. I don't like yeah, that. he's got like weird, like, like grinding his teeth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for context, this is um, a popular meme image format of the Chad faces, uh, like kind of rage mm-hmm. comic style. But so we have the uh, crying simp that is Watto. It's t- titled Tatooine Residence. They can't take Anakin. I need his free labor. Those dice were loaded. How did he win? Shmi cried. I will never see my son again. <laughs> Jedi. Obi-Wan. Did you just steal a kid? Qui-Gon. Yes. <laughs> it's better visually, but... <laughs> no, it's good, though. Just uh, Qui-Gon as the chat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Pretty good. Um... I've also got a Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan conversation oh. here, but this is from the end of the Kenobi. Obi-Wan says to Qui-Gon's ghost, I was beginning to think you'd never come, Qui-Gon. I was always here, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Watching the events of the Clone Wars and learning from your mistakes, Qui-Gon. Oh, no. Here on Tatooine, gambling. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear uh, that in Liam Neeson's voice. It's so good. Gambling. In <laughs> <laughs> um, his, like, slightly Irish accent. <laughs> uh captioned bro is in creative mode oh <laughs> it's like a really buff looking godzilla like floating in the air i'm assuming this was like from it looks like it was on like a movie set and they were shooting mm. outside <laughs> wow it's got the same energy mm. as when they just tossed the grogu puppet in the air <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh um sneak peek for the upcoming localization english dub release of minus one no <laughs> uh so it's the the great Hate shot that. from the new movie of god's uh those faces barely poking out of the water going after the boat except for that godzilla had been replaced with godzilla 2019 Ugh. or uh, godzilla 1998 Ugh. and the head of the guy on the boat has been replaced with matthew broderick Ugh, who was the main it. human in that it. godzilla version uh <laughs> really i love how that movie just gets a, such a visceral reaction out of godzilla fans Hmm. You, you just read this one. Emergency alert. This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, it's the whole, it's the whole... thing that he said like, when Obi-Wan sent out. On I'm going to have to. No, but I just want you <laughs> on an yeah. iPhone emergency text alert. Yeah, very good. Do not return. Can to you imagine temple. just like you're a Jedi who's like on vacation, like you're you're not in the Clone Wars right at that moment. You get that like, nah, poop. <laughs> <laughs> um, This has got an image of. Uh, like a meme guy face. Uh, he's crying, yelling at an f- image of a woman who's got multicolored hair. And he said, colored hair? How ridiculous. Did your father abandon you? <laughs> but then he's like all excited. And it's, it's all the Godzillas with the different colors. It's like pink Godzilla, blue Godzilla, purple Shin Godzilla, gold nuclear, blue nuclear Godzilla. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Um, so we got a picture of Godzilla sleeping in the rubble at the end of the 2014 film and a picture of uh, him doing the atomic blast. Studying for 30 minutes, he sleep. Grinding a game for a slightly different skin <laughs> for six hours. <laughs> blast. Oh, that's good. When Sweet Caroline is up next on karaoke. Oh, is that? <laughs> so that's Mark Hamill. And... Uh, <laughs> The guy, the guy who plays Palpatine uh, and also um, uh, Wexley. Oh uh, no, it's no, um, it's the other Rebel pilot that's in like in all three of the original ones. Jason Rebels. 
I'm totally blanking. It's it's another. It's just it's. It's a photo of this very white guy, but they look yeah. like they're about to do like a, a quartet, <laughs> but it's it's Star Wars actors. Man, what is his name? It's not Snap Wexley. Uh, oh, I had it for a second. It's not Biggs. Biggs was his friend who died. He yeah. had a mustache. He's in Rebels. It's it, Ian McGregor's uncle. Dang, but his last name's not McGregor. What are the actors? It's... Dang, Rebel. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this, Cameron. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Rebel it's been too pilot. long without Star Wars content. We can't remember anything. Oh my gosh. Wedge and Tilly. Wedge. Oh my gosh, wow, we're bad. <laughs> I literally Googled Rebel Pilot in all three movies and it came up. <laughs> yeah, so it's Wedge and Mark Hamill and. A fairly young uh, Ian McDermott, which I think is really funny. I think a lot of people really realize Ian McDermott plays Palpatine in all of the movies, Mm -hmm. but Palpatine's age is not that different. So he would have been quite young when he shot, at least compared to the age that he is in the prequels, Mm -hmm. quite young when he shot the original trilogy. So seeing him without makeup. The woman that played, that originally played. Well, yeah. Okay. For that one shot. Yes. For that one shot. Yeah. So Ian McDermott, yes. Originally was in as far as the original trilogy was only in Revenge of the uh, Return of the Jedi in the flesh. Yeah, so but like they're all like so smiley and like I know I was <laughs> it's like so, so it's a good ugh. photo. What else you got? This is a chart. Um. <laughs> she is holding her Godzilla toy very similar to the way she holds uh, her cat. <laughs> it's easier to hold. Um, so this is a chart of does not. It's like a it's like a a T chart. Okay. Uh, does not know what cryptocurrency is, does know what cryptocurrency is, <laughs> does not invest in crypto, does invest in crypto. <laughs> so does not on both is Megatron, does know what cryptocurrency is, but does not invest is... Soundwave. Soundwave. Does invest, but doesn't know what it is, is Starscream. <laughs> That's great. And now, the last one is Swindle. I do not familiar with that character as much. He's a menace. Okay. I, the Starscream one is very funny. <laughs> that's that's so really good. good. Does not know. Doesn't. <laughs> um, this is from the ending of the Phantom Menace. Um, at uh, Qui Gon's uh, burning funeral thing, <laughs> and you see Qui Gon's body burning, and you have young Anakin turn to Obi Wan says, "So when I die, will oh, I be set on fire no. like Qui- Master Qui Gon?" Obi Wan. No, you'll be alive when it no! happens. <laughs> oh, awful. I like, I never, I didn't really, I just now drew the connection between this and the Qui-Gon gambling one or kind of <laughs> similar, like the Obi-Wan. <laughs> they say. Anyways, oh. uh, I've got one more meme. I've got, I got three. Okay. <laughs> Come on, light our darkest hour. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the, the meme it's of the, the guy poking the thing with a stick, but it's, it's Ultra, Ultra Magnus, Magnus poking. In the leadership, Matrix of Leadership. Very good. I like it. I like it. Very nice. Very funny. Um, this is uh, frames from uh, the original Godzilla versus King Kong from the th- oh, 60s. Oh, no. And uh, God- Cameron. Godzilla is standing over King Kong and he says, You were never a king. You were never even a monster. King Kong, save Mothra. Godzilla, why, why did you, you say, say that, that name? <laughs> We actually made that joke on the pod last week, too. Um, okay. Give me your last memes. I got two more. Okay. You've heard of Revenge of the Ballin, now get ready for Dunk of the Moon. <laughs> Revenge of the Ballin and Dunk of the Moon. You've got a Sentinel Prime with a very poorly photoshopped blurry basketball in front of him standing on a basketball court. Great. 
<laughs> High quality content. Um, and then the last one. Do <laughs> you know how people create like fake Facebook groups? <laughs> oh, <laughs> plan to create and worship our Leviathan lobster god. Join group about please, uh, lobsters do not stop growing and do not die of old age. They die when they become too large to properly molt. We are going to take a lobster, help it molt, its shell over several generations and create a Leviathan god. Here we will plan uh, our god, uh, our god's birth and rise to divinity. I assume this is a, the image of a monster from it a classic Godzilla from movie. It is an image from Elvira, uh, Horror of the Deep, which is, <laughs> which is Godzilla versus Big Lobster. <laughs> Scaly Boy versus Big Lobster. It really is. And there's such a funny video too because um I think they have a like a fight on land and then the lobster Abira retreats and so Godzilla cannonballs into the ocean. I just need to know those poor suits because like full dunkage. Full full dunkage. Not even like Oh, we don't want to get these wet so we can reuse them. It's we're getting them wet and we're reusing them tomorrow. So while you are sending me your memes, this is a good time. (laughs) This is a good time for me to quickly talk about something I meant to talk about earlier. So as most of our listeners are probably familiar with the concept of uh, uh, lo-fi horror or or analog horror, um, I watched a video explaining a series of Godzilla uh, analog horror videos. I'm really glad I didn't watch the series myself because it would have been a lot of time for a little payoff. But the idea is both very cheesy and very interesting at the same time. Um, if you're if you're not super familiar, analog horror films or they're not really films; they're normally YouTube videos, and they're oftentimes like you're watching a video that itself is somewhat corrupted. They're sometimes like news broadcasts or like informational like VHSs, but then they have something off about them. And that's what that is. What's interesting about them is like you're watching something that is very accurately recreated a '90s aesthetic that's conveying something that starts off as innocent and becomes off. Mm-hmm. Making it about no, it isn't a directly about Godzilla, but it is about an actor in a Godzilla suit. Yep, and it becomes merged and, with him. So he becomes obsessed with Godzilla, playing Godzilla, same, same. and he absorbs something Not that same. makes him grow inside the suit and become part of the suit and then he pretty much becomes the same mentality of godzilla trying to get revenge on the americans there's a six foot godzilla running around now that itself is very creative the idea of like some instead of making about godzilla someone who like who wants to be godzilla is a really fascinating concept but i don't think doing it in the form of analog horror would have been the way to go but i i I just wanted to share that i i uh a really weird offshoot of the godzilla fandom uh, that's all I've got to say about that. Now I need to... Did you make this one? It is sneak peek for upcoming localization English dub release of Minus One. Is that your final answer? It is. I did not make that one. Oh. I am honored that you think that. I think that one's very, very funny. I thought you made that one just to make me mad. <laughs> I made the one about the colored hair. Oh, I it, wonder. It was a... I, I, I kind of ripped off someone else's meme. It was originally... <gasps> he was reacting to... Uh, Goku having oh. multiple different colored <laughs> hairs, but the colors like wow. matched exactly. I was like, "This looks like Godzilla." This looks like Godzilla. <laughs> so I, I I put in the Godzillas. Man, I've lost two <laughs> weeks in a row. 
Uh, but now I need to guess which ones you made. So we've got what is the Geneva Convention? Godzilla plus one. Selling so tech from Bad Bat season three. My cat, the vet. <laughs> what if we <laughs> held hands and kissed? <laughs> um, Tatooine residence. Bro is in creative mode now. You make a lot of creative <laughs> mode jokes. Uh, emergency alerts. Studying for 30 minutes. Does and does not know cryptocurrency. Come on, light our darkest hour. <laughs> Revenge the ball and plans to create and worship our Leviathan lobster monster. Now, there's a lot of very Rachel-y things going on here, but I feel like the cat one is very you. My cat in the vet. It is that one. Very funny. It's a bit of an easy one. Yeah. But, but it's good. It's real good. My my creative uh, juices were not great this week. <laughs> well, you know what? It's the ongoing meme of <laughs> Athena going to the vet is, is a good one. And also comparing <laughs> Athena to Kaiju. So She has to be sedated. <laughs> <laughs> or she'll hurt someone. <laughs> okay, I gotta bring up my document here. Uh, what do I call it? Meme game is the name of the <laughs> meme game scores. Meme game. Uh, we are in week twenty-one. I improved to twenty and ten. I went the wrong direction. There we go. Okay. What do you mean twenty and ten? Twelve. So I said the wrong one. I was like, so, what? <laughs> yeah, twelve and ten. And Rachel is 13 and 8, still ah! ahead of me. Just by one. Devastating. I got to get on my the game win. up. So, uh, nice. But uh, good good week of memes. Good round of memes. Uh, thank you so much for listening today, everyone. We're so glad to have you. Uh, this, this podcast is a ton of fun. Look, really looking forward to continuing talking about Godzilla. We will be back in two weeks to talk about Skull two Island. things. Godzilla Skull Island and... <gasps> Bad the first, Batch. The first three episodes oh of, of uh, yeah, uh, Star Wars Bad Batch, wait, season three. Wait, hold on. I don't know what date it is. I, I think it's two Wednesdays from now, if I'm correct. It's the uh, Oh, yeah, because we'll watch, and then, because then the next week we'll watch King of the Monsters and then another Bad Batch episode. So then we'll probably have like two episodes each time or so. Yeah, after that, yeah. Which would be good to talk about. Uh, yeah, Bad Batch, season three. First episode, first three episodes premiere on February 21st. Why well, yes. should be like two hours? <laughs> we'll, like, oh. so we'll have uh, viewers, got uh, listeners, you have a lot coming your way next week. Um, a week from now is Valentine's Day, so I'll just say uh, I, I love you, listeners. I, thank you for listening. Appreciate you a lot. Uh, you make this very fun, knowing that someone's enjoying it. Uh, shout out to my pal Peter. Hung, uh, hung out with him digitally this last week. We played Star Wars Battlefront oh, online. Nice. Classic Star Wars Battlefront, the real one. Um, he said some very nice things about the podcast. So, Aww, uh, what a, thanks, what a Peter. nice guy. Um, and yes, and that, that's all for us today. Um, let me bring up the closing here. Uh, as always, thank you to Caleb Jacoby for our new intro and our classic outro music. Uh, props to Rachel for our beautiful artwork. Still need to add the. Uh, we needed to figure out what we want to represent animation oh, on that logo. Yeah. We need to do that. Um, and also thank you for running the uh, Twitter account um, at Rebels Robots Pod. Big thanks to Cameron for uh, also, we've never said this, providing the equipment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my work provides the equipment. I just bring it with me. <laughs> and um, for running our Facebook. It's, I, I enjoy it. Um, Cameron likes co- uh, making beef with other pages. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, you I'm do. Not, I, 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 I have vague beef on the pod, 
But actually on Facebook, I'm not willing to start any arguments because it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't bring myself to be meme on, mean. On meme. The, I will definitely be meme on the internet, but I will not be mean on the internet. I, I just, at the end of the day, it's not worth it to me. I wish I could. I wish I had that edge, but I just don't. Uh, uh, I, o- I almost, off topic, I almost, someone made a joke about Star Wars hot takes and people were posting their hot takes underneath it. And I almost made, I almost posted that we think tech should stay dead, but I didn't want to, I, I was a little afraid to post that on Twitter. Mm, hey, dude, that's a, you're not being mean to anyone. You're just posting an opinion, which I think No, I'm not, I wasn't going to be mean. I was just more like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for the engagement we might sure. get because of this. <laughs> I, I think you should. Um, <laughs> speaking of engagement, look forward ahead. Not mine. Very possible. I am in the process of getting us on YouTube. Um, I could have done it a long time ago because it's very easy. Uh, RSS will do it automatically. I just didn't set up the actual YouTube account. We're, we're on our way there. It'll take some time to get all the... I'm not going to start regularly uploading until we get all of the previous episodes on there because I want them to be in order. Mm. But you can only upload four videos a day. So it's going to take some time. Uh, but once we're on there, that opens us up to YouTube commenters. Oh, so, oh no. <laughs> um, I'm just going to quickly log in here and see. I really doubt anyone is fine. We don't even have any subscribers. So I doubt we'll have much engagement. But um, I was also going to say thanks to our editor, Athena, who has been EPCP tonight. <laughs> like, look at her. She's she's all sleepy. She just bundled up right She's here next to us. She's all bundled up. She's ready for us to get done so she can rush into the kitchen <laughs> so I can feed her, which I'm not going to do because she's already been fed. No notifications. I don't have any comments or anything. I look forward to it. I, I've i got very few comments on the videos I've made and put on YouTube before, but when they do happen, they're they're very memorable. So I really look forward to it. We should just post an it. out of context uh uh, phrase on like Twitter <laughs> and then we'll get like a bunch of hate mail. Sounds great. I, I look forward to it. Um, and wrapping up here, uh, give us something to read on the pod, leave a review other than on Amazon, uh, tweet or DM us memes or opinions. This is Cameron and Rachel signing off saying Rodimus Prime sounds like he hates Mondays and loves lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night. Rodimus, I have a surprise for you. Don't tell me it's resurrected Unicron. It's resurrected Unicron. I told you not to tell me that. (laughs) Not going to let the podcast start off with uh, peeking that hard. We don't need to jump scare people immediately. Too much. (laughs) I don't know what noise that was. It was the first thing that came out. I didn't know podcasts screamed and tumbled uncontrollably through space. <laughs> since when do ghosts tumble out of control through podcasts? Or since when no. do ghosts podcast out of control in space? <laughs> <laughs>